0: Good evening, welcome to um, a very, what could be feisty, 12, uh, 12-man podcast. How I mean, do call it 12-night then? Uh, 12-man podcast, um, after a, a, a very different week, we'll put it that way. Um, got me, Steve Jackson, I'm in the main chair. Um, I'll be taking you through things tonight. Um, got Mr John Donovan with me, it's the um, usual. Evening, JJ.
1: Evening,
2: you okay?
0: Yeah, we're doing good, we're doing good. Uh, we've got Mr. John Cutler. Evening, even John, you're right?
2: Yeah, all good, lads. See you.
0: Yeah, we're good, we're good. Um, I'm, I'm trying to practice as much as possible because I've got a full house tonight. Um well favourite George Young again, Mr. Steve Dixon. Evening, Steve. Evening, boys. Uh, back again as Pop by Popular Demand. Mr. Young Mr. Jacob Jervis. Evening, Jacob. Evening. Don't sound too happy you're here. Uh, <laughs> we've uh, got- <laughs> Last but not least, um, special guest, um, we've seen him before, we've enjoyed his company before, um, Evening Gazette, writer for the Borough and suffered what we all did on Saturday with the Craig Johns. Evening Craig.
3: Evening Stephen, evening lads, thanks for having oh. me on. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for joining us.
0: But yes, thank you very much for joining us. Um, thank you all for joining me. Um, tonight, i got a couple of things I want to talk about. We'll talk about Coventry. Uh, interesting, uh, team lineup. A few different, <laughs> <teams>. uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, including me. Never not getting off that bloody bus. That's all them changes. Um, we've got that. We've got the game the reaction after the game. We'll talk to Craig about that because, um, obviously, he did. Uh, he obviously talked to Mr. Wild after the game. Then the big news came out Monday morning. It's um. We were looking for a new gaffer, um, and then obviously Leo got put in charge. My mate Leo, Can I mention I've got his number. Um, so yeah, but then there's lots to talk about, there's lots of reaction, there's lots of comments. Um, yeah, wait, let's get started. JD, we were on that bus to Coventry, we got back on that bus, team came out at two o'clock, I threw me right out the pram, I kicked right off.
1: You were about the same with that team, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. The team was just bizarre. It, it almost felt like the FA Cup draw where squad numbers were put into a bag and they were just pulled out. It was nobody would have guessed that team. Nobody at all would have guessed that team. Um, yeah. I, yeah, it just left everybody on the bus just scratching their heads. Um, yeah, uh, I can't see anymore.
0: No. Um, Craig, obviously, thank you very much for joining us again. Um, obviously, you were the—is um, it the recall? You know what? What is it called? It's the, yeah, I will the it The, the CB, recall, CBS, it? the CBS arena. It was near the CBA arena when I got there. I couldn't be bothered. With it. But um, you saw the um, the team sheet come out. Um, obviously, you were all handed it in the press. But what did what, what did you make? What did you guys make of it when you saw that?
3: Yeah, I think we had exactly the same reaction as I'm sure you guys did. There was kind of, you know, a bit of teasing in the uh, in the press room that there would be some shocks coming within the team at two o'clock when it came out. And, and I think it's fair to say that even at that point, having been told that 10 minutes earlier and, and guessing what the shocks might be, I don't think anybody in there would have guessed those two changes in particular. Um, yeah, I think... Part of me could kind of understand Isaiah Jones coming out of the team. I think you know he'd got a bit of stick uh, in the previous game against Rotherham. He's been a bit out of form. He is a young boy, um, and, and and that can happen with a young boy that the whole team going through a bit of a bad period. You know, he, it, it almost I could understand that decision, but to also take out Ryan Jazz as well when you know ultimately the team's only creativity comes from those two wings. It, it just, you know, from from the start, you could guess what would happen, and it did happen. It, Burrow just had no attack whatsoever. Oh,
0: no, you're absolutely right. I mean, even with the third change, um, taking um, McGree out for um, for most, I just felt like we went from a slightly mobile midfield to a very pedestrian midfield three. You know, there was, it was we were lacking pace. You can even say we were lacking creativity. There was a bit of metal, a bit of toughness in there, but. I mean, you probably saw the way we did, that that creativity was just completely gone from that midfield three.
3: Yeah, it it was an interesting one. I mean, I think with McGree, it was probably more the fact that he'd obviously been away with Australia on international duty. So I would imagine that as well as, you know, travelling many miles that week, he probably didn't get back to Teesside until maybe late Wednesday, early Thursday. So that one's probably why uh, McGree missed out, but but no, you're right. I think you know, I think against Rotherham, while the weren't the free flowing attacking team that there could be, that we've seen the could be under Wilder, they looked better because of those midfield dynamics of dropping Crooks back to play alongside Housing and, and, and you know, protecting the back three better. They obviously got the second clean sheet of the season, and then having McGree playing that free roaming kind of ten role, if you want, but behind two strikers. So again, I was surprised he didn't stick with that because that it, it, as well as making them look more defensive solidly uh, defensively solid, it gave them something you know it could have been Crooks, it could have been whoever, but just someone in that 10 row playing off two strikers away from home, you know you get the ball up to them, and, and something might happen if you're not going to play with the wide men, you know at least you know if you'd have played that way you've almost got three attackers up there, but just it just seemed a really, really strange team selection on Saturday.
0: No, oh, it did. You're absolutely right. Jacob, obviously, you were the uh opposite end of the bus where I was. Um, you didn't see me kicking off, everybody else saw me kicking off. But um, you know, you obviously saw solid team like we did. You know, this was bottom of the league we were going towards. You know, we weren't going to a team inform, you know, firing goals for fun, winning winning games on the bounce. This was a team that had won all season. What did you think of that lineup? Uh
4: I was quite Confused at first, but I'm always willing to give a team a chance until see how the game goes because the manager knows what they're doing more than me. But well, I thought he did anyway. But um, I just think it contradicted everything Chris Wilder was about. We took the it took all the width out the team, that was our best thing all season. And to take the best thing about our team out and expect to win, I just was quite confused about it. And then I don't think I, I just don't think it worked at all.
0: No, you're right, absolutely. Like, ultimately, ultimately, absolutely, didn't. I mean, you know, um, John, I'll come to you, you know, you're the sort of team, you're, you're a big fan, as it's been saying, you know, for the last few weeks it's about our wing-back system, you know, you're a big fan of Giles, you've spoke really high of him, you know, when you saw the team on your phone at two o'clock, what were you thinking?
2: Me. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say the same as last week, people go on about Jones. Without his assists, and I don't know if he's got one or two goals this season, where would we be? So, all right, then, if they're not good, def- good enough defensively, you're telling me Giles and Jones aren't good enough to play further forward in our team? So, apart from them two and Muniz, I'm not bothered about the rest of the squad because the bulk of them haven't performed all season, but they're the three that I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have made changes, and he dropped two of them. So, I, w- I wasn't happy with them two getting dropped at all. Well, I
0: mean, I, I saw, obviously, saw your message, interesting line-up, I mean, yeah, I, I, I didn't have the words to reply. To be honest, I was right. I was right in a shitty mood, to be quite honest. <laughs> Steve, what do you think of the team?
5: I thought it was an absolute bloody disgrace. To be honest, I thought if any 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 manager has ever picked a team to stick two fingers up to the hierarchy of Middlesbrough Football Club, that was your team. I, I, it was it was absolutely baffling on a level to which I haven't seen for years. Um. I mean, there's an argument that the Middlesbrough entire bench should have been in the starting Um Jones giving them a rest. Rest them for what? He's just had two weeks off international national break. Put an arm round him, tell him he's the best thing since sliced bread and he's going to win with the game against Coventry. Coventry have scored one goal at home this season, the bottom of the league. And we go there and put out a back five. Not only that, he's been waxing lyrical about getting Akpom back. He gets him back. Now again, the argument can be, Is he 100% fit? But surely, again, he's had the two weeks international break. You start your best players. Akpom should be starting. Force, Giles, Jones, even McNair, who's been out of form, is an argument. They should be in the starting eleven. Riley McGree, again, is a little argument for him. He's been away with Australia. We're in no position to be not playing these players. We're, We're third bottom against the bottom team in the league. And you've got to put out your strongest 11. You've got to attack a team that's bottom of the league with no confidence. What you don't do is drop your best players, play a back five. And what was he hoping to achieve? A point against the bottom of the league. An absolute well, it's, shambolic. Absolutely shambolic was, from start to finish. It, it sure. We never, never had a shot on goal, John. We never yeah. create anything. It was embarrassing. We had two and a half thousand of you lads down there. And he puts out the team like that. Let's call it out for what it is. Instead of making excuses, he picked the team to get himself the sack. It was an absolute disgrace. It, it was so unlike Wilder because it,
1: it, it was a cautious lineup, and it, it, it's not—it's not—it's not his game. You know, uh, it just—just bigger belief. It's totally, just baffling. No, it did. You're absolutely
0: right. I mean. I'll quick, I'll quickly go in the goal because obviously, you know, there's, there's president I want to talk about big time. Um Craig, I'll come to you for the goal. You know, obviously you've done your press previews, you've done your previews obviously in the papers online. There was one player that we all looked at when yeah. he's the danger. Yeah. And one ball got round round the defence, round Clark, and it unpicked us straight away. We're better than that, aren't we?
3: Should be, shouldn't there? And I think that's, you know, a, a evidence of where Burr are at right now. The You know, they are making bad decisions at bad times. I mean, if you actually re- you rewind a little bit, the goal comes. Burr have three consecutive throw-ins down that left wing. Uh, never really go, you know, advance slightly up the pitch with each one, but never really look convincing in doing so. The third... You know, it's thrown from Mark Bowler into Mac Clark. And, you know, the, the, the pass that he attempts to go back to Bowler with is, is uh, you know, it's so lazy, so pedestrian, so poor. Fancati Dabo, their right wing back, he intercepts it with ease. One ball over the top. Dykesdale tries to play offside against Giotto and and he's through on goal. And, you know, you're looking at that and you're thinking, what, what are you doing? Like, it's just bad decisions like that. And listen, you know, there are reasons why. Middlesbrough, where they are on the table, and Wilder, you know, has ultimately lost his job because of that. But I think, you know, that is another example of another goal where the players have ultimately, you know, a collection of little errors which have ultimately led to a team score in such an easy goal. And you know, I look at that as well, and it, it didn't look convincing again from Zach Stefan either. It looked so easy to finish. Uh, he, he didn't particularly protect his goal very well on that one.
0: I
1: totally, I totally agree. I was disappointed with um, with Stephen's involvement. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it just seemed um, he got he got a slight hand to it, but it wasn't a strong hand, you know. And uh, yeah, I, I expected better from him, but you know, it, it was just, it was an awful goal to concede, like you say, from from our throw in their half. Seconds later, we we're picking the ball up the back of the net. You know, so disappointing.
0: It, it wasn't like it was. I mean, I I, I don't know. How you feel, James? I, I didn't feel that that goal was coming. Like I felt, you know, the ball was batted around the middle of the park. It was it was quite a scrappy opening to the game. You know, there was nothing, you know, too anything that really majorly stood out for me. But then all of a sudden, one ball there, it they scored. We just looked like we we felt we crumbled and felt a bit so quickly. And so, we look so weak. I mean, it's, it's, well, the, the decision-making, that dice still trying to play offside, Clark. The, the decisions he made to pass the ball then not track the runner. It was just a complete mess.
1: Well, there, there was absolutely no quality on display, was there, you know, from both teams. And, and, and they looked what they were. Uh, two teams in the bottom three, uh, both struggling with confidence and form. Um, but... They get, they get the goal, they get 1 0 up, the crowd behind them. Uh, and oh, we just never, never looked like coming back. Few, few half chances from Munez, who worked harder than anybody on the pitch. Uh, but, you know, we never really troubled them.
0: I mean, for, for me, the, the, main, the main chant I heard from, from Borough fans, the main shout, was play football. We seemed like we were hoofing it. Every opportunity, we just whacked it up as far, as, as high up and as far up as we could. Like we were just, there's, there's a way of getting the ball forward quick. You know, we watched, we watched Stylist teams play like that. But we just seemed like we were hoofing it towards moon at like every given opportunity. But, you know, it wasn't just Clark doing it. You know, Steele was doing it. Fry was doing it. Housen was doing it. Mo was dropping back and doing it. Everyone was just trying to hoof it to Moon this. I mean, you know, what's the, what's the point? You know, he's not that
5: kind of striker, is he? Well, because he's, he's crippled, hasn't he, Steve, by taking the wing-backs out to the start and line up Middlesbrough attacking threat is the wing-backs. Pace driving up left and right side with Giles and Jones. That's not there. He looked at the midfield for creativity. The only midfielder that can possibly unpick a lock is Riley McGree. He's sitting on the bench with Giles and Jones. Well, had nothing. As soon as that team was announced, you knew if we conceded we are in big trouble. In this season... Our Achilles is we keep conceding the first goal too many times. We've actually not been beaten this season by more than one goal or won by more than one goal. There's only been a goal in every single game Middlesbrough played this season. But we keep conceding the first goal too many times. It gives us a mountain to climb. But on, on, on Saturday, we had nothing to, to, to turn the game back around. All of the match winners were sitting on the bench. And yes, he did bring them on in the second half. But by that stage you know Coventry are sitting in you know making it difficult forward and trying to catch you on the break with Gokerez it was an absolute disgrace what he done on Saturday Chris Wilder I, 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 I'm sorry I just can't defend what he did That was an absolute you know joke from start to finish <clears throat> and that, that, you know Coventry didn't even play well the beat in the beat nah, they didn't you're absolutely right you know I, I, I couldn't defend what he did I mean
0: I made that perfectly clear when I got back on that bus after the game. That um, was that was final straw for me. I was I was done. I was I was finished. Um, but even when we brought the players on that you described there, like you know, George, Giles' you know, even even bringing McNair on, to, you know, to bring a bit more forward-thinking impetus about our our backline to try and drag the ball forward a bit quicker. There was there was nothing. I mean, I can't I can't think of one opportunity where I thought. I actually said, "What a save that is!" You know what I mean? That's how bad it was. You know what I mean? So for, for me, I mean, I'll, I'll come to you, creating me, because obviously you will have had to write a man of the match. You know, it was part of your part of your job, unfortunately. Um, you know, did did anybody else have a man of the match? Seriously?
1: No. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I thought, like I say, I said earlier, I thought Moon is um he didn't drop his head he he kept on making runs looking for the ball that never ever got delivered. Uh, and when he got the chance he would he would um, he would head for goal, have a shot. He was the only one doing it really
2: before Before we move on from this, I'm going to say one thing we didn't ultimately we didn't lose the game on Saturday because of Wilder. We lost it because one of our players didn't listen to the instructions that were given by the manager. And the players are getting off scot-free. I'm I'm sick of it. Hopefully we, we smash Birmingham tomorrow. But if we do, then players, them players have got a lot to answer for for what they've put us through this season. They're literally down in tools if they're not liking the manager. I'm sick and tired of modern day footballers. Well, you
0: said there about one player didn't the series. I absolutely get where you put. I thought there was a few of them that didn't. And I know David still tried to play offside line. I just thought that whole back, Line just looked straight over the edge and watched you got run round him and have what 35 40 yards to look pick his spot and think, Right, I'll put it there and I'm going to score it. There's no install sort of But I, I, I thought while well, that pick one out was a bit poor, he should have picked them all out to be honest because they were that different. He's, 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 he's
5: done that lately, though, not he? He's tended to pick on certain players this season, um. In, the ones that he tends to pick on aren't the ones that he's brought the football club. in Interestingly, um, as I say, it's not the first time he's mentioned Deichdale making a mistake. But he, he mentioned one earlier in on the season against Queens Park Rangers, saying now I know there's a reason why he's only had one or two bookings since he's been at of a Football Club. Um, trying to say that he was too nice and he should have brought down the Queens Park Rangers player. So he, he tends to he's tended to target the same players for criticism this season. Um, and as I say. None of the criticism is being from the players he's brought the football club. Like he's mentioned Matthew Hoppy being, you know, and, and, and force being development players. I mean, that's disrespectful to them. They're both international footballers who've come for decent money. Um, one's trying to get in the World Cup squad, one's trying to get himself back in the Premier League. And he calls them development players. That's disrespectful. They're not development players, they're both older. Than Muniz, who plays every game, they're both older than Muniz. So what's that all about? It's just, just, again, sticking two fingers
2: up with the club and saying, I didn't want these players. They're not my players. I agree with you about force and uh, hobby. But if he's telling players to do a job, job like I like Steele as well, don't get me wrong. So twice he's picked him out. So in, a, in our jobs, day to day, do we get criticised at work and then we, we keep making the same mistakes? What happens? You, you, get, you get told off in front of people. Well, just because they're high-earning footballers, they shouldn't be criticised in the public. They have far too much power. He should have kicked Willock up in the air. Wilder was right. He'd, be, he'd had it drummed in with him all week where their main threat was and that he cost us the game. So we talk about it in the pub, we'll talk about it on the pub, but he's not allowed to say it to the press. Why not? Well, well because I, 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 I because
1: because uh, because of what he said in the past. He said in the past, we win as a team, we lose as a team. Um, that, that sort of collective responsibility then but but then he goes against that by singling out players
2: but then so ultimately, John, job. ultimately John because they're not listening to him they've cost him his job I,
0: I well, get well, we'll,
1: we'll, we'll get on we'll
2: get on to that
0: yeah we, we will get on to that um, I absolutely get that I just felt like he picked he, he, he should have picked more than one out for me I, 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 I say, yes he didn't play the offside line but you know it's Clark's side. That's, that was my bit. It was Clark's side. And he, he should he should have been smarter. Well, as I say The whole lot of them were fucking brain-dead, to be honest. Say, it, was, it was just that bad. It was that bad. Um, no one else want to pick him on the match, you know?
5: No, thanks. Oh. Oh, the 2,500 Middlesbrough supporters who went down. Correct.
1: And- well, I, I think Craig's uh, match ratings of the players uh, says it all.
3: Yeah, I couldn't give anyone more than a five, and I think most people said that I was generous with that. Um, I'd, I'd normally do a man of the match section in the paper, and I just took it out this week because I don't think <laughs> anybody deserved it. I think I thought it would have been an insult as well to supporters to give anybody a man of the match. I think Steve ultimately called it there. The fans were the only only people who come out of that match deserving any credit. Yeah,
0: and I, I will say one thing about the fans.
3: I, I, you know, credit to them for sticking sticking
0: with it. You know. Especially when you, you look at the Manchester derby on Sunday, I know it's completely different. I know it's completely different circumstances. Three cars that way and walked. I know they could probably walk home most of them. You know, but they walked. We never. You know, we stuck with it and we were hopeful. We were trying to get us out of this game, but I say ultimately we could have played till we could have played till Christmas. To be quite honest, we won't discuss. There was just no, there was just no way. But um, yeah. There's Coventry, wrapped. Right, Craig, I'm staying with you. What time did you get that phone call Monday morning or did you get that exactly the same time as that press release was was put out by the club?
3: Yeah, exactly. The same time as that press release was come out. Do you know what it is? I I'd, I'd felt that like if a management change was going to come, it was going to come during the international break. To me, as you know, we, we've we've dissected Coventry and it was a bad deal, but it wasn't it wasn't a maul and it wasn't a hammer. And as we've said, one mistake leads to one goal, and other than that, it's a it's a dull nil nil draw between two teams, you know, in the bottom three and clearly low on confidence. That to me, I wasn't expecting that because of the timing. I feel like if that had been coming, the international break would have been when it would have come. So I'd I'd woke up on the Monday morning and I kind of had, you know, a content plan in mind of what I was going to do that day. And and I joked to the missus, funnily enough, like, oh, today should be quite an easy day. I know exactly what I need to do. I just need to log on, do it, and then that'll be me done for the day. And then I just happened to see, mind you, they'll probably sack Chris Wilder and completely ruin those plans. Five minutes later, ping. Well, the sack. That was like excellent. Called that. So, so yeah, I found out at the same time as you guys because uh, I didn't have any inclination that was coming to be honest.
0: I mean, obviously, you spoke to him in you know after the game Saturday. You know, as a collective in the press. Did do you think he looked at, like a defeated man? Obviously, we don't see the press conference after the game. You know, we just see the little bits and side of the pitch starting to, you know, the the poorer media team. The uh, BBC T's obviously had a little chat with him. He didn't look like he knew this was it for me.
3: No, but I think that it, it's an interesting one because he's almost looked like a different man since maybe the start of the season, but maybe certainly since you know the, the coming towards the end of the transfer window. I think it's clear, as we'll discuss, that there were differences uh, between himself and the club. Uh, with regards to recruitment. And and to me, you know, we talk about the players need to shoulder some responsibility? And, and, and yes, they do. Ultimately, there's been too many individual errors that have, have led to goals and they absolutely do deserve their share of criticism. But I think ultimately, I think back to Wilder, when he first came in and when it was going so well, when he first came in and we had that brilliant run, we had the FA Cup run, he was somebody who spoke you know with passion and with fire and he wasn't digging out individuals like he has been recently he he was really positive he wasn't by any means molly any players but he spoke warmly about everyone and we heard so much about Chris Wilder the man manager and all these kind of things and how he makes players fail a million dollars I, I don't know what's happened in well sorry i, I know parts of what happened um speaking to club sources today, but it throughout the summer but It just seemed to me like he didn't get what he wanted in the summer. He got a bit of a sulk on and his demeanour completely changed. And, you know, from the player's point of view, if you're hearing the manager come out like and speak like that in the press every week, I don't think they've downed tools, but I do think they've lost belief in themselves. And, you know, because of the way the manager's ultimately talking about them.
5: Has his relationship changed with the the press lads, uh, Craig, since sort of last season, moving into this season, has he sort of his demeanour changed with you boys when you're interviewing him and asking him questions?
3: And um, not particularly no, he was he was always a decent enough guy to speak to. I think it it, it was just in general his mood in terms of his demeanour in terms of answering particular questions. There were you know, for example, after the game on on, on Saturday, I asked him about, you know, the decision to, to change Jones and Giles and he said something along the lines of "You, you don't see everything that ha- that goes off behind the scenes at a football club," and then he kind of like quickly followed that up with a "That's not to say that anything's gone off, nothing controversial, but you don't see everything." and And it was just a bit of a like, you know, like it was a strange comment to make because it's almost putting that thought out there that something did yes. go off and there was a deeper reason for it than just a tactical one. Um, and, and then there was another one where it was a really simple remark, but he was talking about the expectations, which he's done a lot recently and saying he feels they're too high. And, you know, he kind of said the squad is the squad, I think were the exact words he used. And again, it's, you know, it's it's not if you're a player and you're reading that the manager saying the squad is the squad, the the implications of what he's getting at there are quite obvious um, and you know that that it it wasn't so much he changed in in how he was with us he was always decent enough with us without being you know complete like really friendly and really warm in the same kind of way that Neil Warnock was for example uh, i think it was more just his demeanor and 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 as i say the way he carried himself uh, lately but he yeah. he he create he created them expectations as well because
2: last season when he came in he talked about what was making the playoffs the goals of the premier league Every player that we've signed this summer, all the interviews they've done with the club have all been about getting in the Premier League. So that's what they're getting told. So he's done nothing to dampen them expectations. So so why, why shouldn't we expect that?
3: Yeah, and I think also, you know, it was it was him ultimately. And this it was probably a, a power player with the club as well. But, you know, he was the one who, who spoke about marquee signings in the first interview of the summer and things like that. And, you know, I think by this point, there was already kind of... An idea in mind that he probably wasn't going to get what he wanted, and he was maybe trying to put a pr- bit of pressure on at the club, perhaps. But uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, as you say, he he was the one who built those expectations up, um, and it it clearly has just gone wrong.
0: Well, that's it, because he, you
3: know, even when we went
0: to the Q and A with him just um, just about the start of the season, he he didn't dampen them expectations. He he on stood there and said, you know, we've we're speaking to players that you won't expect, you know, you won't have ever you won't ever sort of even linked us with and I fully expect I expect us to get towards the top end of the table. That's my aim and that's what I want to do. You know, it's not like it was a shock to him that we all expected to be towards the top six in the top two this year. You know what I mean? That, that's a bit... Of, Really shocking. That's- One quote, I mean, I don't know what you lads thought about this quote. I mean, I read this out on the bus with JD. I mean, well, we listened to it, you know, when you were speaking in the BUCTs, Um, I've been in this position before and I'm still standing, and I've still got a career moving forward. I heard that, that was very odd. I, I I lost my shit. I did, I lost my shit. I really did. Um, but JD, you were obviously with me when we were listening to that. You
1: can't say that as a current boss of a club, can you? No, it's it. You know, it 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 was very very strange, and it 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 was as if he had some idea of of, of a, a a deliberate uh, use of words. Yeah, it again. I mean, the whole day, uh, apart from the few hours we had in the pub, which was superb, the whole day baffled me. You know. The, the performance, the selection, listening to what he said afterwards. It, it just... We spoke previous weeks on this podcast but about something not being right. There's, there's too many players off-form, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and again, that was just baffling, strange, unusual from Wilder. It, it just... It, it, it just carried on, you know, of... of me as a fan I'm just wondering what's going on what's going on at my club Uh, and I didn't have a clue so you're
2: right you're right there John because for the last two weeks we've all said unanimously that we were behind Wilder but we also all said that ultimately we know what's going to happen and it has happened
0: well that's it you're absolutely right I mean we we all predicted it we all we all said it. I mean, I'll come with Steve now. You know, he, he said it straight away. If we lose a commentary, he's gone. Um, and you were absolutely right. Um I'll come to you because you know, obviously, we spoke. We spoke about this. Um, you know, we've gone back and forth. You believe there's a bigger problem at the club, don't you?
5: Well, I think there's certainly been a, a, a shift change at Middlesbrough Football Club. Uh, and how we're going to recruit players and managers Um, and I think that started with Jonathan Woodgate to start with bringing in a young young manager that was brought into the club, we're going to buy the players, he was brought in to coach the players, make them better and obviously that sort of format is being progressed by Kieran Scott coming to the club and he's been the figurehead who's going to find gems of players from abroad and lower leagues and I think, I think we're moving into the territory of a club now where I think the next appointment's going to be not a manager, it's going to be a coach. And he'll be coming in to coach Middlesbrough players and make them better. But I don't think the next manager that comes through the door will have very much to do with the recruitment side. Um, there's, there's there's clubs where the model works, that type of model works. I'm thinking of Brentford. Um, but for me, I'm not so sure. I, I, I'm maybe it's a little bit too old school where I like my manager to have some say in the players that are come to the football club. Um, so I'm a little bit concerned of where, where we're going as a club with, with this model. I understand financial fair play and we've got to start you know, trying to bring players in and make them better players and sell them on and things like that because if you're not in the Premier League, ultimately, you need the money. But is that the right structure for Middlesbrough Football Club? I don't know we've tried experienced managers in the past it hasn't worked you know now we're going down probably the the young manager route again um it just doesn't seem to, whichever way we turn it doesn't seem to work out unfortunately we seem to have tried so many different managers and systems and plans and and yet them it just boils down to how good your players are for me the best players on the pitch get your promotion and if you haven't got that you can have, you know, the prime Sir Alex Ferguson managing you. You ain't going to get promotion. It all, it all boils, boils down to the players on the pitch. Um, you, Steve,
1: you're, you're right, Steve. I mean, we, you, you're right, Steve. We've tried, we've tried all sort of, um, uh, all types of managers. You know, we, we've we've had experience with Strachan, Pulis, uh, Warnock. We've had um, former players as managers, Woodgate. Mowbray um, we've had um, a foreigner with them a, a foreign manager that nobody had heard of before I talk uh, we we've had um, players England legends finish the career uh, in Brian Robson and, and managers. We've, we've tried all types of of manager and there's only really been the one success through, throughout the last um, you know, 15 years, and and, and that was uh, that was Karanka. So I don't know where we go from here.
5: Yeah, it's a, it's a real difficult one. And, I mean, some people listening won't like see in this, but ultimately, you know, if, you, if you're pointing the finger with blame, it's got to start at the top. And I'm talking about Steve Gibson. The last 10 years, yes, he puts his money in. And I know he loves Middlesbrough Football Club, but his decision-making in the last 10 years mostly, in my opinion, has been very, very poor. Um, and he's also disappeared off the planet. I don't know what goes on now, but you don't hear from him, you don't see him, he doesn't come out and speak. And I think, you know, the fans deserve that every now and again when Middlesbrough Football Club are going through testing, and trying times and are worried it would be nice now and again to hear from the top of the club to come out and maybe diffuse some situations or talk about, his ambitions for the club and where he sees we're going, what, what his ambitions are for moving forward. But he, he just seems to disappear off the face of the earth. And over the last 10 years, as I say, that some of the decisions he's made have been really, really questionable. And I hope this one is going to get it right because I think there's a, you know, we'll go back to 1986 and he saved the club and for that we'll always be grateful and he's a legend. But how, how, how long do we keep harking back to them? It's 30-odd year ago now. How long do you last on your past laurels? Ultimately, you've got to look to the future and have ambitions for the club moving forward in 2022 and 2023. Yeah, thanks very much for what you've done in 86. You know, i be forgotten, but what are your ambitions for Middlesbrough Football Club, Steve, moving forward? Can you come out and tell it? Because, you know, this can't continue. Um, To be be fair, Steve...
1: He brought in Chris Wilder that the vast majority of the fans um, applauded him for. Uh, You know, I I didn't hear many people complaining um, about his appointment. Everybody thought it it was the right move. It was going to take us forward. It hasn't happened. It was. It's a a gamble. And, And you've got to remember, in the last 20 years, you know, we've had success... Uh, we've we, we've won the league cup we um we, we, we had two seasons in Europe one of them where we went to the UEFA Cup final now I know that's 2006 so it's a long long time ago but there are far bigger clubs than us with them um, with very little success than, than what we've had in our fairly recent past um but I, I fully understand where you're coming from the man at the top oh, always carries the can but the flip side of that argument,
5: the flip side that argument, sorry, just let us finish. The flip side of that argument is there's far smaller clubs than us above us in the division and in the Premier League with smaller fan bases. We've, we've just had a better, a better way of recruiting players and appointing managers and moving forward than what Middlesbrough Football Club has. You know, look at your Bournemouths and your Norridges and your Fulham's and you know, there's Nottingham Forest, there's, there's lots of teams in the Premier League. Um, that are doing classes as big a club as Middlesbrough when they found a way to get there and they found a way to stay there. It brightens as well. There's lots of teams. And the last 10 years, Middlesbrough Football Club has just stagnated and it hasn't done much. We had one opportunity when we got to the Premier League and we blew it and we come back down, fair enough. But there's been a lot of poor decisions from the top made. Now, you said about Chris Wilder being a good appointment and nobody argued with that. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. However, Has he been backed enough by Steve Gibson? We don't know, you know, the financial situation at Middlesbrough Football Club. But I'm sure Chris Wilder, when he sold Jed Spence for 12 million, rising to 19, and sold Marcus Tavernier for 15 million, was expecting some of that money to be reinvested into that squad. Now I know we brought players in, but I think Chris Wilder, part of the reason why he's not here now, is because. I think he's been promised more than he got and he's been disappointed with the recruitment this summer on not bringing in a top striker mm-hmm. a, 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 an attacking midfield player and it, it it's, it's it's it stands a little it's cost me so when I criticize Steve Gibson I'm not criticizing him in terms of what he's done for the club or he's or, or he's you know he's but through and through but just certain decisions at certain times you know I think could you do more? Could you back
2: your manager more? And I think over the last few years, I think you should have done. See, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure it wasn't the back... When we appointed Wilder, didn't Kieran Scott supposedly have a lot to do with that appointment? So, so when Kieran Scott's appointing these managers, surely they're having in-depth conversations about what might be available transfer money-wise. And for me... This has been coming, like we've said, since the summer transfer window. What conversations are they actually happening? We mentioned when Don was on the other week and I said they're not singing off the same hymn sheet. The next manager that we get in, if he's told that we've got no money, that's fair enough. They must, they must be being honest with them of what we can and can't spend. Otherwise, it's never going to work. We're going to be changing managers every eight to 12 months. We've had seven managers in five and a half years. Now, one Think thing Steve, Steve
5: Gibson always was, well, the next manager will be the eighth manager in five and a half years. But one thing Steve Gibson always done was show loyalty and, and give his managers time, whether that be Brian Robson, Stephen McLaren. he always give them time. But for whatever reason, over the last five and a half years, we've got this real and fire sort of tactic now where as soon as it's not going right, bang, the gun. It started with Gary Monk. He was done, didn't get on with Gibson. Gary Monk was out the door. And since then... You know, there's not many managers survived long than Steve Gibson in the last five and a half years. Is, is that is that is that a, a road you think we should continue down as a football club, like like what oh, Watford yeah. do, higher and fire? or would you rather Steve no, Gibson I, give manager a bit long a bit more time?
1: No, I I don't I don't like it because it means you, you start again over and over again, and it, it's not good. Um, but you know, Chris Wilder didn't get what he wanted, but just get on with the job. Don't sulk don't make team selections just to prove a point you know your, your job is to is to try and move the club forward don't you know don't be petty and don't don't just say well i'm not playing him because I, he wasn't my choice i think it's uh, i think it's a a, a, a little bit of uh, blame lies at wilder's door for for, for like oh, absolutely. I 100 100%, 100% especially, especially saturday's um, the baffling team selection and i think he was just Petty and trying to prove a point. Back no, fight.
4: what what not ambitious chairman brings? Zach Steph, in for Van City, Giles Lenahan? I think I think he's been given. They wouldn't have bought players in like that if the one if their aim wasn't the goal or going the top two. I still think the Bob players are good enough to be at the top end of the table, and I and I think when he's sticking his nose up at hoppy and Force and not using them. I think it's pathetic. They couldn't have done any worse than some of them in the past couple of games, so why aren't they even getting on the bench? There you go. <laughs> you haven't got a
0: haggard for, have you? He's absolutely right. Um, He's bang uh, on. Come.
2: on. He's bang on correct. Yeah. Once they've yeah. on, done two signings, they're brought here to improve and get first-team football. Like we've said before, uh, force. <clears throat> I think he had 40-odd games when Brentford got promoted. All right, he wasn't starting them all. We mentioned Hoppy scored a hat-trick in the Bundesliga in their derby. Played for it internationally. They're not going to improve if they're not getting any minutes. So, ultimately, it was always going to fail. So, the next manager has got to know that the players that the club bring in to improve and sell on for a profit, which is the model we're having, they've got to play. No, no. That's
0: what I'm saying. I think
5: that's what we're going to go down now. The next manager that comes in there's ultimately going to be a yes man and he's going to be a man that's come in and they're your players, we buy them, that's your squad, get on with it. That's it's going to be a young manager who's obviously got ambitions to be a good coach and that's the route we're going down, it's, it, it's, it's obvious, even the names we're linked with are the same, they're all young managers who are, you know, you know, good coaches but they're going to come to Middlesbrough Football Club in my opinion, under no illusion that listen, you're the coach, you manage and you coach them players but the players that come in Kieran Scott's players in the, in the in the scouts at Middlesbrough Football Club, that's the that's the road we're going to go down. It's what happens at Sunderland. We're talking on the podcast last week. Um, and sorry, I'm the lad's name. Um, who come on as the guest, Nick, 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 that's right, Nick. Nick, Nick, Nick Waits, yeah. Um, and he was saying that's the model at Sunderland have got. Sunderland bringing the players, young players, and Tony Mowbray's job is to coach them and make them better. And Mowbray's happy with that, doing that, you see, Chris Wilder. Wasn't that type of manager you like to have a say in who came and who went, um, and that, that's that's the road we're going to go to, uh, down now.
1: Yes, yeah, Steve. Before we before we had this director of football, um, Kieran Scott uh, type of arrangement at the club. Steve Gibson backed every manager as far as he could financially. I mean, you look at the amount of money we've wasted, the amount of money spent on Ashley Fetcher, British Sombolonga, uh, uh, the, the, the money that Gar- Gary Monk spent. So he's, he's changed it now, whereas it's not the manager who's in charge of the transfer, Kitty. It's the director of football. So it, it, we've just changed our model.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Well, he, he's obviously going to come out and talk, isn't he? Because I think, I think maybe the last time we heard from Kieran Scott was when Wilder was appointed. So Kevin Scott's got to come out and he's got a he's got to talk to the fans because I know he's only he's he hasn't been here a long time really, but he he's not he's not absolved from blaming all of this. He able to point the manager. He's the one bringing in the players. So ultimately, he's got a lot to answer for. So he needs to talk to the fans more so for me than Steve Gibson. No, I say that
0: a lot of fans have had a lot of opinions, I suppose, in the last 24, 48 hours. I don't even. Since Coventry, you know, the, the chat was more about above they, You know, looking at Kieran Scott, Neil Bowser. I mean, you know, you know, there's fans, there's fans saying that you just said there, John. You know, why why are we questioning Gibson? You know, it's it's people below him that should be it should be you know um, looked at. I, I personally think that I think Neil Bowser he's looking at firstly. You know, he's 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 the one that I know. I know Gibson signs it off and he's the final say, but. Nine times out of ten, Bowser is the man that signs the cheques now. You
2: know what I mean? So, Steve, I've said this before in the past. Bowser gets far too much criticism for me. We brought 12 players in. He's told by the gaff, by his boss what we can spend and what we can't spend. So if players are coming with agents and are wanting more money than we've got, we can't do it. He, he's on a budget of what we can afford to pay players. Bowser, for me, isn't the problem. Who do you think the problem is then? Well, the problem is because we're not communicating between the managers that we're appointing and what's going to happen. I, I said it last, last year when we appointed Wilde, it was an odd decision because the way he fell out with it at Sheffield United, it started off all right. But ultimately, they can't be communicating probably because there's massive fallout and we keep changing manager all the time. I mean, we said, we said last year there was no point keeping Warnock because he'd want players in and he was going to be gone in six months' time. So as much as I wanted Wilder to stay, there's no point keeping him now either because he's not playing the players that he was ultimately brought into play. It was always going to end in failure. We need to get the right man in. It's either going to be a young coach or the foreign model, which works well abroad. They know exactly what they're doing. You're going to coach the players that we're bringing in and you're going to improve them and we're going to try and sell them for a profit and hopefully we get promoted in the meantime. They need more communication. We can't keep changing managers every eight months because we're going to end up going down a division. It's never going to work. No, no, yeah,
0: yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You know, stability is a, a big thing for me. Um, it needs something needs to change. There's there's something not right with the the hierarchy. You know, all the way down. Um, like you said, there is not happening. Um, but you know, everything needs to be aligned for this one. But I'll come with you, Craig, because you're you're going to cheer a lot of people up here. Um. You know, lots of names have been chucked about. You know, lots of, lots of names. I mean, I saw someone last night say, let's bring James Milder in, the player manager, and I put my phone down. That was enough for me. Um, but one, one, one ex-player that's been linked to the job um, that has caused a lot of fuss. I mean, it's, it's come as far as if he gets the job, I won't go again. Simple as that. But you're know, about to cheer a lot of Borough fans up and tell us about... Gary
3: O'Neill, not under consideration whatsoever. Um, I can't at the minute get any names on who is on the shortlist. I think, as I say, it, it's been suggested to me that it's more advanced than what people think. Uh, in that, I think they have whittled down the shortlist to to a few names. They don't want to rush it because, you know, for all the reasons you guys have spoken about, that need to get this appointment right and it needs to be the right person. Because ultimately, I think where it's gone wrong for Wilder now is that there was that division and there was that, you know, changing, if you like, the the direction, the the views on the direction the club should go in. Uh, this appointment has to be right and it has to be someone who who is clear and is accepting of the strategy and the way that the club want to go. Uh, so they, they don't want to rush it, um, but it, they don't want it to be an overnight appointment, but they are, you know, advanced in kind of identifying at least the short list of the people that they do want or potentially do want. But yeah, Gary, Gary O'Neill, absolutely not under consideration. Yeah, so
2: tall. just put, just to put you on the spot here then, do you think it'll be a foreign manager
3: i honestly, I don't know. I think Rob Edwards is probably on the short list, just given how much his name is out there. It would not surprise me if that if there is someone like that on the short list as well, though I think you know we know. Kieran Scott came from Norwich, and and they went down that route at Norwich, bringing in Daniel Fark. I think he was at Brusia Dortmund too, wasn't he? When he went in at, at Norwich, um, you know, relatively unknown if you like, and and came in and, and ultimately did a very good job at Norwich. Um, and and you do tend to find, as as you alluded to, that you know in, in 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 the continent they are, you know, more accepting of that kind of if you like the director of football model, which Barra seemed to be more going down now. Um, and, and being a head coach and, and working with the players that they're given. Uh, and I think ultimately, you know, that's that that is probably what Borough need now, whether it's a Rob Edwards or a, a a foreign coach who's happy to work under that. I think, you know, I'm listening uh, to the to the excellent debate that you are all having here about what's been going on at Middlesbrough in, in, in the years. And I think, you know, we talk about all the mistakes that have been made and, and, and ultimately at Borough, you know, over however long, there hasn't been any stability. And there hasn't been any consistency either. There's been all these manager changes and all of the manager changes have, have largely been radical changes in style. You know, like Tony Pulis to, to Jonathan Woodgate, Jonathan Woodgate to, to Neil Warnock, Neil Warnock to Chris Wilder. The change in style of football there is so different time to time. I think you got to a point where ultimately, that squad was so muddled and so imbalanced because it was made up of loads of different managers' players. And that's ultimately now in the current climate as it is, you know, championship finances as they are. Like more and more clubs are going down this route of having a, you know, a kind of recruitment team, almost a director of football. I mean, what I would say is that the club would argue that Chris Wilder was always involved in that recruitment. It was never a case of signing players behind his back but clearly there were divisions in the type of players that, um, that they wanted to sign. And I can give examples of that. I think it was described to me this summer that there were three players in particular who, who Chris Wilder wanted to bring in uh, all 30 or over. And um, one of them, I think we all know, was David McGoldrick. How old is he now? 34, 35? Uh, someone he knows well. I can understand why he wanted to bring him to the club, but he wanted a two-year contract. And the club said, "Absolutely not. This is not the model we're going down. We've made those mistakes in the past. We've given contracts to without being disrespectful to David McGoldrick. We've given contracts to journeymen who were looking for one last payoff, you know, before the the ride off into the sunset. What Middlesbrough now want to sign are the likes of Marcus Force and 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 Matthew Hoppy, who are young, hungry, desperate to come to the club and improve." And, and, on, on the Matthew Hoppy signing, yeah, you know, he took a peer cut to come from Mallorca and he come to the club really eager to kind of prove himself and get his career going again after he was the bright young thing in Germany at Schalke and then went to Mallorca and had the difficult year there. So he was desperate to come here and impress and potentially get in that USA national team squad. And as it was described to me, he got here and was essentially told by Chris Wilder, you're not for me, you can go and play for the under-21s you know and 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 it was that kind of thing where you know because these divisions appeared between club strategy and Chris Wilder's strategy, Chris Wilder was then making these decisions with particular players and things like that, and ultimately, when you get to that point where there's that you know if you like the fork in the road and and part of the 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 team are, uh, are going in one direction, the other part of the team are going in the other direction. You're not pulling in the same direction. You're not going to get the ultimate, you know, the ultimate destination. Which for both Wilder and I still believe Borough is the Premier League. Ultimately, they were pulling in different directions to try and get there. And I think no matter which side of the fence you sit on, whether you feel like they should have backed Wilder and gone with his style of signing, or whether you agree with the model that Borough are going down, ultimately everyone needs to be in tandem. Everyone needs to pull in the same direction or it won't work. So I think ultimately that's why the, the, the change is being made and, and, and the next manager is so important because you know ultimately needs to buy into that.
2: I'll bet my bottom dollar that Hoppy's involved tomorrow.
3: It, it will be interesting to see who is involved because, of course, Leo heads up this this quartet of, of coaches. and But there's Mark Tinkler there, who is the under-21s boss, Lee Catamol under-18, and, and Craig Little, the academy manager. It was, it was interesting to see Hayden Hackney among the first team trading pictures today in the club play out the gallery. Yeah, uh, right. I, I, I've been very impressed every time I've seen Hackney. I must admit, he's a, he's a very smart footballer, very good on the ball. Uh, so it'd be interesting if he's involved as well, but of course you can only name uh, a squad of 18. So if you if you if you put in Hackney in there, who who are you leaving out? Because I mean, even on Saturday you know, they brought in Luongo, for example, after the transfer window, and, and he's not made the bench yet. So it will be interesting to see what direction they go down tomorrow night.
5: You think there might be a change of formation, Craig, with Isaiah Jones being suspended. Do You think Leo might go to a back four?
3: I'm not so certain because I I don't think they really have the players at the club to do it. I think ultimately I don't think Tommy Smith should be starting as right wing back because I think it proved on Saturday that he isn't attack minded enough to do that. But I'd be very surprised to see them you know change from uh, from from the wing back system that they've been playing because I'm just not sure particularly without Jones that they've got anybody to play you know, wide as a as a wide forward as a you could maybe go four three three with three strikers, but is that
5: That's
3: what I thought, uh, yeah, bit is that a bit too much? I don't know. Um it it's it's hard to call. Obviously we haven't had, we did they didn't do a press conference today, uh, didn't want to kind of in the in the circumstances put Leo up, which is is understandable. So not really a chance to pick his brain, but I'd be very surprised if they moved away from from kind of the the kind of three at the back system that they have been playing. It just it would it wouldn't surprise me to see maybe Dyke Steele playing right wing back or possibly even Paddy McNair who can play there. He plays there a bit for Northern Ireland. And I certainly wouldn't be going with Tommy Smith if I was going with uh with Wimbacks. Yeah.
0: Right. yeah. I mean obviously you said there, you know, there was no there was no press conference today, you know, for obviously, obviously you know for the circumstances, what's going on. But you know it, if the club are going to take the time with a disappointment, I bet you're all dying to get stuck in the Leo on, on Thursday, Friday,
3: aren't you? Yeah, it will be interesting. I mean, he's a great talker, isn't he? He did that club interview today and uh, you can't help but love the guy. But yeah, I mean, it, it would have felt, I think, a bit the day he took, the, they did a bit of like recovery stuff on, on Monday and then took training the day properly to prepare for the Birmingham game. And it, it would have felt a bit like kind of, you know, almost feeding him to the walls without, you know, we're, we're not going to rip him apart, obviously. But do you know what I mean? Like just throwing him in at the deep end at a, at a difficult time anyway. But but absolutely, you know, it'd be interesting to, to see what he's got to see And, and, and you know, he, he sees a lot and he's around it. And he, he does speak with passion in the way that he speaks about the club and the area. So, you know, definitely. But I think, you know, going back to what a lot of you have said as well about people... You know, higher up at the club. I don't think that's helped this summer either. I think, you know, week after week, we've only heard the voice of Chris Wilder. And whether it's Steve Gibson, Neil Bowser, or I think, you know, Chris Wilder kind of alluded to the fact that we should probably speak to Kieran Scott. And obviously, we've been pushing for that. And as yet, it hasn't happened. Uh, I think it has just being a scheduling issue, but you know, I think somebody like Kieran Scott does need to come out and does need to give some interview and you know speak a bit about the summer transfer window and things like that because because things like that do help. They do help understanding for supporters and 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 it's good to have you know more than just the manager's voice each week. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, but- I mean Wednesday is going to be very interesting. Um, obviously, I think before. Leo um, spoke today everybody was a little bit flat but I've just got, I, I've just got a, a great feeling that uh, it, when the teams come out, the crowd are going to react there'll be a fantastic atmosphere as long as the game goes well, that atmosphere will just build um, but it, it, it'll be interesting to see um, the formation uh, the players involved and also to see their reaction
0: no, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, like, like, like you both said there. You know, we've we've all listened and read what what Leo said today. Um, passengers poured out the guy. I mean, I remember meeting him a couple of years ago. You know, um, every time he talked, he stood up. You know, he was that kind of guy. He was he's he's a he's a, a chest kind of guy. He, he, he speaks from the heart. He's he, he loves what he does, and he's took to tea sides. I'd say even even better than what George Friend did. George took to really well, and you know, people at Teesside love George. But I think Leo's on a different level to where anybody, you know, he's, he's, he's not as far as you know another Brazilian, you know, in, you know, years gone by. But he's not far off. Is he? You know, Leo's thought of so highly, highly by everybody, and he proves him in the club. He thought so highly, you know, this is. Let's, let's, let's not get round it. He's, he's his his daily job is a goalkeeping coach. That's so what he was originally brought into. two, And tomorrow night he's gonna be stood on the touchline as is number one. You know, he's gonna have I know he's gonna have Craig Little, Martin Tinkler, and surprisingly stood beside him. Um, you know, to two very passionate, very you know, God God forbid the uh, the fourth official, he's gonna absolutely get it tomorrow night. <laughs> there's no there's no assault but you know. It's going to be... One thing we won't... Be, we You
1: know, when we get we speak, we're not going to just sit here and say, well, I don't think the players have the heart. You know, I don't think he's going to level the pitch without the heart, is he? Well, I think out of those four mentioned, uh, there th- th- could only have been Leo who would have got the crowd on side. Been, I, I wouldn't have been excited by listening to something Little had said or Lee Catamore or... Um, the other guy, Tinkler, Mark Tinkler... But, but Leo, you do, you listen. And, and he spoke really well. Uh, you know, the, the, the line about um, forged uh, in iron and steel and, and just that um, rabble rousing type of uh, figurehead, as Craig mentioned.
5: He gets so, it, doesn't he? He gets it. Yeah,
1: yeah, it'll get the crowd going tomorrow. I am not advocating Leo for the job at all. Let, let him do what he does um, at the club. Um, but he was ideal to get everybody's uh, everybody's um, spirits up for tomorrow, certainly.
5: I think it's a bonus. I think it's a plus that he's, he's managed it tomorrow because I think it would have been a really flat, horrible atmosphere tomorrow, to be honest. And I think with Leo taking charge, you know, us lads in the North stand and certainly the South stand, you know, they're going to be right behind Leo tomorrow. And I think it might be a tougher game for Birmingham than what they're anticipating. Um, we might see a few players playing that haven't been given the chance lately, coming back with a point to prove to Chris Wilder. You know, it could work out where, you know, in Middlesbrough's favour tomorrow somehow, I think uh, I, I might be, I actually fancy with chances more now that we're, with Leo than I, than, I, than I would have done with Chris Wilder, which is something I would never have thought I'd been saying two weeks ago, but I really do believe it. If you, his interview today, even though it was for three minutes, I think, like you lads have said, it was inspiring. It was it was it was motivating. And if those eleven players pulling on that shirt tomorrow night can't get motivated and inspired by that man and what he has been through in life, then they should never play for the club again. And I, and I, I do expect Middlesbrough to come flying out the traps tomorrow. I feel that the, the three
0: minutes that you were alluding to there, I know Chris Farley. You know he speaks very knowledgeably. You know he's. You can tell he's been in the game a long time, and he knows he knows what he's talking about, and he knows the right things to say to you know get fans on the side. You know his style of football, he's pressing play. But then three minutes from Leo, it, you know it, it took a, a fan base or a bit a bit disillusioned, you know a bit you know questioning what's going on, and you know a bit like oh, my God, you know I don't fancy tomorrow. All of a sudden you think I'm right behind that. I'm right behind that. You know, like you said, Steve, he gets it. You know, for someone that's, you know, brought thousands of miles away from Tayside, he gets it. You know, we talked to him, he's talked to us, and I mean, his passion was absolutely, It was, it was enthralling. It was, you know, it, it took you in. And you know what I mean? If if the players can look at that and think, I can play for that, you know you know let's let's take our time with this you know give him a couple of games bring a bit of belief back to this team because that, that that squad is so lacking confidence and drive and heart it's it's scary and I just think Leo will be the right guy to bring that back into him.
1: We just need points at the moment uh, performances performances will be good will be nice but we just need points and yeah. we can't we can't stay down that wrong end of the table for too long because he becomes habit forming we need points and I, I hope what Leo had to say raises the crowd raises the players and, um, and, and we put in a performance um, and get the points tomorrow night
2: See I'm going to say I'm going to say something now that a lot of people will probably think I've either A lost me marbles or B <laughs> B been smoking a bomb all day but I completely still think we can make the playoffs with that squad of players I still think we can make the playoffs which will then make me—it'll make me question the players even more for what they've put us through in the first twelve games.
1: But hey, listen, listen—you'd only have to look back. Other teams. Um, do you remember Leicester City, they won the one um, the—the one the Premiership under um, uh, Ranieri. Ranieri. Ranieri, and then the next season, some of them virtually went on strike for him. It's—it's it, oh, no. it's wrong. You're right, John. It's wrong. And, and for whatever reason, it, it happens at clubs where players don't get the right feel and, and, and as a result, their performances dip. Um,
5: That's for us last season with Chris Hewton. Chris Hewton's a good manager. Yeah. Couldn't, get a, yeah. couldn't get a tune out of him. And then Cooper comes in and in the, in the, in the make the playoffs and get promoted to yep. the Premier League. That's right. And I agree with you, John, by
1: the way. I, I, I still think there is a chance for us to, to get into the top six. It's going to take a hell of a run of form. You know, we can, we can do it. We can, you know, we um, we we see what Forest done last season. We've seen what Palace done previous seasons. It, it it's not beyond the realms of possibility. I'm more hopeful rather than I am confident, but I'll, I'll always I'll always hold out hope that uh, we can do it.
5: But it's got to start sooner rather than later, hasn't it? That's the thing. It's got to start now. Really. You need to get out
4: the bottom three first. That's what I think we should focus on. Never mind. No, just get a couple of wins first.
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: I mean, the way we're talking, we're, we're absolutely miles. We're in nine points off the class, you know. Exactly. It's nothing. We're in
4: nine, yeah, points yeah, off. It, nine points is, is a lot. At the minute you play now, we are. We can't see the next win coming at the minute, but you never know.
0: Exactly. They say I win tomorrow night. All of a sudden, that nine turns to six. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, you think, oh, hang on. But as like you said, you're absolutely right, Jacob. We we need to put games together now. We, just, you know, not win one game and think, "All oh, right, we'll go on a run now." Let's let's win two or three games in a row. Let's you know, let's put that run together. Um, but you know, let's see what happens tomorrow. You know, I usually ask you for a, for a score prediction, but I'm not I'm not going to because well, do it definitely do it. We're going I'll start with you then. Job on three
2: nil. <laughs> <laughs> You're going, to see, you're going to see a completely different team performance tomorrow. And everything that I've said tonight will be proved tomorrow about the players and modern-day footballers. Oh, yes. And I'll even okay. say, Hoppy will make an appearance off the bench. We'll play four four two, 2 and he'll score one. Jake, <laughs> get off that bomb. <laughs> <Pretty laughs> I'm
0: like to Mike Bassett. Jesus, 4-4-2. JJ, like, go on, score prediction. <laughs> 1-0. I'm going
1: to have us to win, but uh, yeah, one 0 and I just hope we put in a performance of of heart, desire, spirit, uh, and 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 get the win. Fine.
5: Steve. I don't know where I'm getting it from, but I'm I'm going to go two one to the borough. <coughs> do me. Jago?
1: One
0: one. I
4: think I'd take one one at the minute.
0: <laughs> we need to get wins. We need to put four together. One one. Right. What about, what about Craig?
3: What's Craig going for? Craig. Well, I'll, I'll go I'll go for a scrappy two one win as well. I d I can't see a 3 0 because I can't see the confidence in the team being high enough, but uh but two one scrappy, get it up, get over the line and get that win. Same yeah. time next
2: same time next week. I'll see you, out of here,
3: Craig. Yeah, <laughs> I hope you're right. I really do.
0: But <laughs> well, I'll say I'll say two you nil. Know, I think we'll uh, we'll score early, we'll score late, and it'll be a bit scrappy in the middle. Um, but
1: uh, uh, you you use that line for Coventry, Steve.
0: <laughs> I know, but and he didn't go to Coventry, so you know things <laughs> things change. <laughs> um, but before I do go, obviously, because by the time we talk next next week. You
1: know, things might have changed and we might have a new man in charge. I'll start with you, JD. If you want one man in the job, who do you want? Do you know what I've no idea? I, I honestly don't don't have a clue. I, I can't give you a name. Uh, a I, could re- I could easily read I reel off the um uh, the, the people who were at the top of the uh, Skybet charts or, or or any other betting site, you know. I could easily re- reel their, their their names off, but I just don't know. I, I can't see where it's coming from.
0: There's plenty of other betting partners involved, by the way. I'm still waiting for my sponsor. Yep. Um, Steve, one name. Uh I,
5: I've got to say I'm not in, exactly inspired by the list of contenders at the moment. It's looking like Rob. It's looking like Rob Edwards, but um, uh, give Rocky the job. That'll be fun, won't it? <laughs>
0: Good job. <laughs> I didn't expect that name. Wow. Right, Jacob, go on. Give me a name.
4: I, d- I might get slated for it, but I think, I think it'd be worth giving Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank an interview for the job. Well, no one slayed
0: you for that one. That's a bad job. John, look
2: come to you. Uh, I'm going to give you two names. One manager that I want, because I think he was given a rough ride when he was here the last time, and he's my all-time hero. So Tony Mowbray, Nick in back of Sunland. But the manager who I think they might get is the lad who was at Uddersfield last year, did a cracking job.
0: Carlos. Carlos Corbaran.
5: That's the guy. He's just, been, he's just been sacked by Olympia Argos as well. Has he? He was sacked last week. I think played 12 games, won two. And he was he was sacked last week, I think. So he's available. <laughs> the, apparently he's in the running, isn't he? He is. Apparently he's been too. Um Craig, one name
0: that stands out?
3: Gary O'Neill. No, I'm just kidding. He <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> can have a yellow
2: card and watch the Masters
3: for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I think part of me thinks you know Rob Edwards of the of the people that are named out there is the standout candidate in terms of what fits what Borough probably need right now, but for a bit of excitement, maybe someone who nobody expects coming in left field, young foreign coach. Um I'll, I'll I'll go for that. Yeah.
1: Right, Steve. Sorry, I've um I've decided I do want somebody. Grant Ledbetter. Oh, that's
0: good. Go on. <laughs> Who do you yeah. want? To? Grant, Grant Ledbetter.
2: Do you know what, John? I would I wouldn't be unhappy with that at all. I'd take it all day long. I wouldn't actually. I wouldn't at all. I
0: think that's I think it's probably a good shout.
3: You know That'd what? Just, a just on that, um, you know, a bit not Grant Lebiter, but Lee Catmull, who is obviously one of the quartet in interim charge. Few people I've spoken to in the last couple of years have had really good things to see about Lee Catamol. Obviously, managing the under-18s at the minute and by all accounts, his standards on the training pitch are, are, are absolutely humongous and, you know, there's a few times where apparently since taking charge of the under-18s I've had to, you know, ask him to rail it in a bit and remind him that he is coaching <laughs> 17, 16, 17-year-olds. 17 I mean, you, you all remember what he was like as a player, but by all accounts, this, this week, stepping up and obviously when you work with senior players, it's a bit different and you've almost got to command their respect to get your points across, et cetera. And I think, you know, a lot of the things we said earlier about Leo and how, you know, his positivity and his, you know, kind of impassion you know, responses were perfect to get everyone going and lift everybody again. But by all accounts, Lee catamol has impressed a lot of people at the club uh, in the last few years in the way that he's been getting his points across. And it was even suggested to us that there's potential there as a future Middlesbrough boss. But but not yet. Not yet, I will say. I <laughs> oh, will.
1: Cheers to that insight. Yeah, so. no, yeah. Right. I, I'm
0: going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with... I'm just, I think Carlos Calderon probably a good shout. Yeah. Um, See, I thought that the job he did the Oldham was an absolute miracle. Because that squad was not? It wasn't good enough for the playoffs for me, and they absolutely tore in the playoffs, not comfortable and stayed there. So he's got something about it. He's a passionate coach as well. So I just want to see a bit of passion on that. You know, on that touchline. You know, I'm, I'm sick of. You know, I loved Alan Neal, but it, it looked like he was taking a pee in the toilet. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't want to see that. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't want to see the stood there cross down, You know, let's let's see. You know, you, you, you give a shit, and I I, say, I feel we'll get that for him. But
2: so, have you I, seen a lot? Of, have you been watching a lot of men in with the spoons toilet having a wee with their abs? I have, it, yeah.
0: <laughs> I
1: have. That's
0: my... And answer. on that and on that note, and on that <laughs> note, um, right, a lot of gone. We've gone through a lot. We've um, yeah. It's Been a good chat. That's, That's it for this week. Um, thank you very much for all popping on, Craig. Thank you so much for popping on and uh, giving us a bit of insight into what's going on at the club. Um, always welcome to come back on, mate. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks uh, very much for having me, lads. Enjoyed oh, no, it. Pleasure's all ours, trust me. Um, JD, John, thank you as usual. Um, thank Steve, you. our favorite, Jordy. Thank you so much. Um, I say I'll catch you very soon, Jane. Thank you so much. Um, always good to have, have you on. It's uh, very insightful, very uh, very knowledgeable. Uh, well done, and very smartly dressed. Well done. Um, so yeah, um, and thank you for listening, commenting, getting involved, and um, you know, if you like, if you like what you heard, subscribe, like us, you know, and even come on and join us. You know, we're not exclusive. You know, it's not, it's not, not just um, invite only. You know, but it is because I've got to invite you on too. But apart from that. Um, yeah get yourself on have a chat with us but you know get at the site tomorrow wherever you may be Block 33 Block 68 wherever you may be get behind that Borough team give them give them everything that's it that's, that's all I ask of Leo give us give us everything we'll give you the same back so enjoy it tomorrow and we'll talk next week Arrivederci. up the Borough up the Borough
1: up the Borough boys cheers